Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. Well, is anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Come on, can we give Jesus a big shout of praise all over this place? Come on, I said, are you excited to be in church today? Come on, give Jesus a big shout of praise in this place. I love that, I love that, I love that. Well, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, welcome to week two of a series we're calling What If. I mean, I look around, across this room, and man, this place is full of people, and I'm just so thankful for you. So glad you're here. And I know Kyle is on our keys this week, but I just want to honor Pastor Kyle for kicking off our series last week uh, with this idea. We're answering some tough questions, right? Culture's questions, God's answers. And Pastor Kyle kicked us off with this idea of what if I want to kill myself? And maybe you've thought that before, but I'm just going to let you know, if you missed last week, please go back and listen to it. I promise you. It will bless you to be able to hear just practical tips, not only just practical stuff, but I'm telling you just some, uh, uh, just uh, his own personal story as well. So can we take just a second, honor Pastor Kyle, put our hands together, honor him for that. I love that so much. I just, I'm just so thankful for him. And, and again, I want everybody, we're in this series called What If. Everybody say, what if? What if? All right, I want everybody here really quickly. Everybody, we're going to breathe in deep on three, in through our nose, out our mouth. All right, everybody good? One, two, three. Oh, that was nice. Let's do it one more time together. All right, one, in through your nose, one, two, three. <sighs> Out through your mouth. All right, good. The reason why I wanted us to do that is because, you know what I want us to do? I want us to kind of just relax a little bit because I think some of the questions that we're going to be answering over the next couple weeks that Pastor Kyle started with last week and what we're going to tackle this week, I think they're questions that a lot of times may make us feel uncomfortable. A lot of times may make us feel like, oh my goodness, we're talking about that in church. And here's the thing I want to share with you. I think for a long time we haven't talked about it. And so that becomes the issue a lot of times that we will deal with. And so I think for us, these are real issues. These are real questions that you have that I've had in my, in my life. And I just think we need to spend some time looking at God's word and what the Lord has to say to us over the next couple weeks. If you're ready for it, say I'm ready for it. All right, because I believe it's going to be something incredible today. It's this idea, though, and it's a, it's a challenge. It's a hard topic to talk about, it's just a challenging topic to talk about. And I want you to write this down because this is what we're going to talk about. And this is the question, what if I'm addicted to pornography? What if I'm addicted to pornography? And again, I, I, I want to throw that out there to you because we're going to talk about that today together. We're going to talk about what the Bible has to say. And I, I want to just kind of be an honest, open, and transparent church. Can we do that? Is that all right, everybody? Can we say, yep? All right, yeah, yeah. Like, let's be an honest, open, and transparent church. I'm going to be very honest, open, and transparent with you today. Uh, I'll just kind of just tell you my very first experience with the fact of being exposed to something pornographic was in the fourth grade. And I remember going over to a friend's house of mine, uh, and this is like 20 years ago almost, right? Like 15, 20 years ago, going over to a friend's house of mine, 
His name was Zach. He had a birthday party. And I remember going over to his house, and he had stolen some of his dad's magazines. And he had snuck them down to the room that we were all hanging out and playing PlayStation in. And uh, we were looking at those magazines. And I, I, I don't know. That was the very first time I remember experiencing this thrill, this rush. Like, I, I didn't even know how to really describe it. But at the same time, feeling this shame and this guilt and, like, something I know I shouldn't be doing at the very same time. And so I, I say that just to kind of let you guys know that, that from the time that, that we're very, I mean, even born, that you and I have an enemy that's out to get us. That you and I have an enemy that's out for our soul. That he, his goal is to kill, steal, destroy, distract, disengage, discourage, take you out of the spiritual game, right? That's his whole goal. And so one of the most common ways... I believe even in this generation uh, is the fact the way that he can distract us, the way that he can actually attack us is through this idea and the battle in our minds with lust, which ultimately a lot of times is triggered through pornography. It's triggered through that. And so maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you can't. Maybe you know somebody that has struggled with it. Maybe it's something you've been struggling with in the, in the dark for a long time. But I want you to know that you're not alone, that you're not in, uh, the only one. I, I think there's some crazy statistics out there of stats of 64%, even if you're a Christian, like this is 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women admit to viewing pornography monthly. Like that's a stat right now. And then if you kind of dive in a little bit further with that, stats are 79% of men ages 18 through 30 view porn monthly. And again, I think, that I say that, obviously it's been something that even decades ago I had to struggle with, and, and I say it to you as an honest, open, and transparent to you, that it was a battle in my mind from that moment on every single day for many, many, many years of my life. And I share that with you not to, to just, uh, again, just to, I, I just want to be very honest, open, and transparent. That you may find yourself in the exact same seat, in the exact same shoes, but, but I want you to know as a kid, it was a magazine that you had to find or a perverted uncle that you had to go to his house, right? Like one or the other. But now you and I have porn in our pocket, right? That we have porn available to us immediately. Like in a matter of a few clicks, guess what can happen? We can be looking at a website. We could be doing something within a matter of minutes and, and literally seeing something that we probably should not be seeing, all right? And so I, I think I want to just challenge us with this question. And it got me even thinking about it. Hey, is like, is, is any sort of sexual purity even possible, right, in the world that we live in right now? Is it even possible to do that? Is it even possible to live a life that is pure when it comes to sexuality? And I think that's a great question that we need to be asking. And I want to challenge us today. Yes, it's not only possible. I believe it's God's will for your life and for mine. I believe that with all of my heart. And so I, I know the title of today is What If I'm Addicted to Pornography? But I kind of want to flip the script a little bit and say, you know what, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, because of the blood of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit, I think we should kind of reverse the question and say this, it should be the, the title, the new title should be how I'm going to quit porn today, right? Not what if I'm addicted to it, but how I'm actually going to quit it. And I believe that to be the case for a lot of us in this room today. I believe that there's some of us that we've never told anybody, we've never talked about it, but I believe healing is on the other side of what, what we're going to talk about today. And so if you look at the Bible, I love the, the book of James talks about sin, it talks about what Satan does to you and I as he's enticing us into it. This is what James chapter 1 verse 13 says. If you're ready for God's word, say I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, good. This is what it says. James chapter 1 verse 13. It says this. 
It says, and remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Watch what it says. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. See, I want to start out by just telling everybody and letting everybody know, all of us know at the same time, that guess what? This sexual desire on the inside of you, you know who it was deposited by? It was deposited inside of you by God. Right? He put this desire in inside of you for sexual intimacy. But I want you to understand something. Within the right context, within the right realm, that it is holy and it is a gift, okay? And that right context is between the covenant of a marriage between a man and a woman. One man and one woman. And again, that sexual desire is not wrong within the context of where it belongs, right? Between one man and one woman in marriage. But what we know about our enemy, that one that hates you and I, he wants to take it. He wants to twist it, he wants to thwart it, he wants to pervert it, and he wants to drag us away and entice us to do something that is not honoring to God, right? It's what his goal is for you and I. And I, I as you go back and if you look at that word in the original Greek language of entice, it's actually a fisher's term, all right? How many of y'all are fishers in the room? We got any fishers up in the house? Wave at me. About six of you, all right? Any, anybody like, no, I, I would rather watch paint dry than go fish. Who's that people out there? Okay. So, so I'm kind of the same. I'm a little ADHD, so like for me, going and setting him, oh my gosh, we're going to knock something down. Going and setting uh, uh, and, and like fishing, I can hunt, but I can't fish. I don't know why that's the case. Maybe it's because it's loud things that go boom. I don't know, but like that's what I like hunting rather than fishing. But like if you think about, everybody in the front couple rows is real nervous right now. Okay, sorry. Um, but like, like I think about this, this idea of fishing, and again, I, I love the idea. My grandmama watches every week. My grandma and grandpa watch every week. She's a real fisher. You know why? She uses a cane pole and a worm. Come on, somebody, right? My grandmama, man, she's old school. I love her so much. And, yeah, she uses a cane pole, and, a, uh, I mean, she's out there, I mean, lipping catfish. I mean, whatever. It don't matter. Like, she, she's hands all up in it. She is a real fisher, right? And I love my grandparents so much, but I got to thinking about this idea of this, uh, this, this term used as entice us. And again, it's a fishing term that is used, that it says this, that you use, you use lured by using bait. You are lured by using bait. And this is what I got to thinking about. You know what? That's exactly what our spiritual enemy does when he notices that we're weak, when he notices that we're vulnerable, when he notices that we're in an area of our life where we may need, that, that we're struggling a little bit. What he does is he entices us, and he, he throws a little bait out in front of us, entices us, and he'll use it to drag us away. And then watch what happens in verse 15 of James chapter 1. He says, these desires give birth to sinful action, and when sin is allowed to grow, watch what it does. It gives birth to death, right? So sin, excuse me, when it is full-blown leads to death, and our spiritual enemy wants that for us. He wants to bait us, worm us, lure us, right? I get to thinking about this idea. Again, I told you I'm a little ADHD, and uh, I got to thinking about this idea of a, of a fish in the water when this, like, spinner bait or this real bright bait hits the water. Can y'all just go with me for just a second? You're underwater. The sun is glistening under the, like, on top of the water, and all of a sudden, this bright, fishy-looking thing, this worm-looking thing hits the top, and it starts spinning. You know what a little fishy going to be like? They're going to be like, I want that, right? I said I wasn't going to do it, but I didn't know what else to do in that moment. I said I wasn't going to do it in the first service, but I was, I was going to do it again. There we go, whatever. But like this fish is like, oh, that's pretty. I like that. Woo, that's nice. I'm, I'm going to go at that little spinny thing. Woo, that's exciting to me, right? I'm going to swim over to it. That's not how a fish swims, but we're going to go with it. Like I'm going to swim over to it. 
and I'm going to take that bait, right? Can you imagine for a second that's what happens as we're fishing, right? This bait hits the water. It's in front of them. It's kind of dangling out in front of them. And all of a sudden this fish goes up and bites a hold of the bait. And what begins to happen? Ultimately, it captures the fish and it winds up at Captain D's. Come on, somebody, right? Like, like that, that's what happens, okay? And I got to thinking about it in our own life. I got to thinking about it in my own life. This is exactly what our spiritual enemy does. Especially when it comes to this idea of sexuality, when it comes to sexual sin. What begins to happen is before you take the bait, you know what? You see it hit the water out in front of you, and the devil will tell you and I, hey, it's no big deal. It's not a big deal. Like, it's not hurting anybody. Everybody does it. Look at the statistics, right? It's just one time. You'll love it. And then what happens is it entices us. We go after it. We lunge after it. And we take the bait. And what begins to happen is after you've taken the bait, what does the enemy then do? He then reverses it on you and says, you know what? You're horrible. You're disgusting. God doesn't love you. You, you, aren't, you aren't really a Christian. There's no hope for you. Right? It's exactly what our enemy wants to do. And the devil who hates you uses the desires in us, thwarts them, twists them, and uses them to lure you and I to bait us in so ultimately he can destroy us and ultimately he can hook us. Right? And so I don't know how you may find yourself in the past, maybe for some of you. How do you find yourself being hooked? Right? And again, I, I want to just say it like this because, again, I'm going to tell you how, I'm going to kind of give a couple scenarios of maybe how you found yourself sexually hooked in the past. And what I want you to understand is that this may be part of your story, it may be some of your story, but at the same time, I want to just kind of give you a little bit of an idea that all of us have had some sort of traumatic sexual experience. If you've been hooked by this thing called lust in your life, You've been, you, you have sustained a traumatic sexual experience. Maybe it was like I was exposed to pornography at a young age, really young age. Maybe it, you were molested uh, as a child or as a kid. Maybe you were on a date and you found yourself like doing something that you knew you shouldn't do and crossed the line way further than you were supposed to go. And ultimately what happens is you're hooked. And what I know about that is that when that happens, I want you to realize that you and I sustain an injury in that moment. We sustain a mental, physical, spiritual, emotional injury that has ultimately distorted God's purity of lovemaking in our life. Right? That, that it distorts that completely. And you walk away from that experience, you're confused because you had like all of these, like this high going on with dopamine in your brain, right? You had this high going on, you had this rush, you had this enjoyment, kind of like I did when I was a fourth grader at my friend Zach's house. And then immediately it was followed by shame and guilt and disgust and embarrassment. And I don't want to talk about it. All right? So what begins to happen is you and I, we either hide it or we try to justify it. Right, so, so we begin, it kind of turns into some actions. We either try to hide it or we justify it. And we say this, oh, I, I could be doing that, but I'm not. Or, or, or you know what, that they are, but I'm not. Or, this isn't that bad. You know, we're, we're in love anyway. Or, or, or God gave me these desires. Like, why is it bad? Like, she's not fulfilling my needs. And it's not just a, it's not a big deal. I'm just looking. Right? And ultimately what we begin to do next is we kind of say, hey, you know what, I'm going to try and pray these desires away. I'm going to try and pray these desires away. And let me tell you, as a 33-year-old man, married to my wife for 10-plus years who I love so much, guess what? The desires do not go away. They're still there. And I promise, you think, you think you're going on in your head and you say, you know what, I'm going to stop. This is my last time or this is our last time. And many times it'll stop, but it'll just stop for a little while until you stumble up on it again and it triggers something else. And then it starts all over. 
right? And, and some of us that are, some of you that are single in the room, you may be thinking, well, just wait till I'm married. Then it'll be all good, right? I'm going to get married, and me and my wife are going to have sex three times a day. That's all the married people in the room laughing because we know that ain't the case, all right? That's for a completely another sermon series that we'll talk about some other time, okay? But that ain't going to happen. I'm sorry. But, but again, we start making these ideas. He's thinking, okay, hey, when I get married, it's going to go away, but it doesn't go away. And the reason why it doesn't go away is because you don't just have just a singular lust problem. You're dealing with a spiritual injury that has not healed yet. And I believe it to be so that, that you may be thinking, well, what's the big deal, bro? I'm just looking at pornography, just a little bit of porn. I could be doing a whole lot worse. Well, what does James say? What did James just tell us in James chapter 1? Listen, what happens? You, when lust, when sin is full grown, it leads to death. And I want you to know that that's vivid. That is, that is, that is pretty harsh. But I, I just kind of want us to see the, the reality of what we're walking through right now. And James wasn't the only one that talked about it. If you go uh, back to the Older Testament, there's this guy by the name of David that had a son named Solomon. And Solomon had some sons. And he wrote a book to them in the book of Proverbs. Anybody ever heard the book of Proverbs? Come on, wave at me if that's you, all right? Just Solomon was one of the wisest men to ever live. And he was trying to give his son some, some encouragement. Hey, if you want to be wise, you need to be doing this or you don't need to be doing this you need to be watching this look what he says in proverbs chapter 5 verses 3 through 5 uh, it says this for the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey and her mouth is smoother than oil but in the end she is as bitter as poison and as dangerous as a double-edged sword her feet go down to death her steps lead straight to the grave and i know solomon is using some strong language right He's using a strong metaphor in this moment. But what I believe he's trying to get across to you and I, what he's writing to his sons, is he's trying to let them know, hey, listen, sexual sin often looks good, it looks sweet, it looks smooth, but it is bitter, it's sharp, and ultimately it leads to death and the grave. Pastor Craig Rochelle says it like this, it thrills and then it kills. Right? It fascinates, then it assassinates, is what Pastor Craig says. And I think it's so true because the enemy uses this to steal, kill, and destroy you and I. I want you to know something, that pornography kills you in multiple ways of your life. Physically, mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. It'll, it'll begin to eat at you physically. You, when you're partaking in pornography, often you become anxious. You become nervous. You become irritable. You become moody. You have no motivation. You have no sex drive. Physically, you begin to suffer. You begin to die off a little bit mentally. You find yourself depressed a lot easier. Mentally, you find that in your brain, actually, there's these things called neural pathways that are like just dog paths in your brains or deer trails in your brain where it, it is the same trail that happens over and over again that pats it down, and it is literally a gutter. And what happens is it's so hard to get out of that. Mentally, you begin to suffer. I think about emotionally, you can't connect with anybody anymore because you're now starting to see other people as objects that were created for pleasure rather than a person created by God. And then spiritually, if you're, uh, again, like you are praying and you feel like your, your, your prayers are getting to the lights and that's it, right? It's as high as your prayers are getting and it feels like you're being robbed of spiritual intimacy and joy and confidence in God. And you have this weight that's constantly over the top of you, constantly covering your tracks, constantly managing the guilt, the shame, fear of getting caught. And what it's ultimately doing is it's killing you. And I say all of this because, again, as I've told you, this was a struggle of mine for years and years of my life. 
Now, I told you guys I'm going to be honest, open, and transparent. I'm real vulnerable because this is going on Facebook. Hello, everybody. <laughs> right? But I, I, I just feel like we have to talk about this because if we don't, guess what? I'm just afraid that you are going to step into that and it's going to lead to one thing. It's going to lead to another that's going to ultimately drag you and ultimately kill you. And I want better for you. And ultimately, God wants better for you. And you want to quit, but you find yourself saying, what if I'm addicted to pornography? What if I'm there? And I just want to just change it up today because, again, by the power of the, the blood of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I want you to know from my story even, there is a way out. There is a way to break the cycle, and you can do it with the help of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And I believe that with all of my heart. I'm going to give you some practical ways that you can do that, but also they're very biblical. And if you're ready for them, say, I'm ready. All right, number one, here you go. I want you to write this down. If you're going to break this cycle of being addicted to pornography, you're going to break this cycle of addiction in your life, here's what you got to do. You can't conceal it. You can't hide it. You got to confess it. You can't hide it. You got to tell somebody. You got to confess it. See, this is what I know is that nothing good grows in the dark. Come on, somebody. Ain't nothing. Fungi grows in the dark. Fungus among us. All right? It grows in the dark. All right? Mold grows in the dark. That stuff's not good, right? It'll, it'll kill you. Ultimately, it'll kill you. And I want you to know nothing good grows in the dark. You don't have to hide it. You need to bring it to the light. You need to bring it to light. Listen, this is scary. This is uncomfortable. This is nerve-wracking. This is unsettling. But I just believe the Bible when it says this in Proverbs 28, 13. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess them and then they turn from them, they will receive mercy. They will receive healing. And I believe there's two types of confession that you and I have to be willing to have today. Number one, you got to be willing not to conceal it, confess it, number one, to God. you got to confess it to God. First, you got to start there, confess it to God. What I love about the fact is that when we confess to God, is that no matter how dark, no matter how desperate, no matter how far from God you feel like your life may be, that forgiveness is always available in Jesus Christ. And you are always at the foot of the cross. The ground is very level because all of us have messed up, all of us have sinned, and yet forgiveness is available for you if you will pursue that from Jesus. I love what 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. I, another translation says all unrighteousness. And I just want to ask really quick, is there anybody thankful in this room right now for the forgiveness, for the forgiveness of God? That you were in a dark place in your life, you were in a desperate spot of your life. But come on, can we give God a bigger shout of praise than that? That thanks be to God that he gave his life for us, that forgiveness is available. All we got to do is confess. All we got to do is start with confession. Confess to God. Don't conceal it. He already knows it. Confess it to God. Right? And number two, I'm going to encourage you. This is the harder part, I feel like. You need to confess it to somebody else. You got to confess it to somebody else. Right? That's not going to be in your notes, but I would encourage you, write that down. Confess to God. Confess to others. Like, you got to be willing to do that. We confess to God for forgiveness, but we confess to others for healing. Look at what James 5, 6 says. It says this, confess your sins to what? Come on, tap your neighbor and say, that's to you. Tap your other neighbor and say, I, I picked you second, but that's to you too. <laughs> Confess your sins to each other. Watch what it says. Pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. 
so you may be healed. If you Listen, again, forgiveness is available through Jesus, right? That you confess your sins, forgiveness is available. But I want you to see from that verse right there that healing happens in community. Healing happens when you confess it to other people. And I want to encourage you. The reason why I got this Dollar General looking shirt on. Come on, somebody. Look like I'm a Dollar General working on it. Love the DG. Come on, somebody. All right? But, like, the reason why I got this shirt on is because on the back, this is what we gave everybody that showed up on Wednesday night, is this idea that, you know what? We're going to do life in circles, not rows. I love seeing all y'all here. Again, I want to build, I, I, I believe about literally bringing as many people into church as we can. Man, let's do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. doesn't matter. Like, let's do it. Right, But I think it's so important that as we grow larger, as we build the local church called Purpose Church, that we also say, you know what, we're not just going to do things in one room together once a week where we're not getting real with each other. We're going to do life in circles. And I want to encourage you this week, do whatever it takes to go and be a part of a crew. Listen to me when I tell you that. If there's one plea I can give you as your pastor, please do not take this lightly. Because yes, you can receive forgiveness from God, but healing is going to happen when you get in the context of relationship and community and he, I'm not I'm not asking you on Wednesday night to show up to your very first crew meeting and talk about this for you right like just air all your dirty laundry to everybody but no as you begin to build a relationship with your the people in your crew with your crew leader that you feel comfortable enough to say hey man listen I got something I got to share with you this is a sin of mine this is a struggle of mine I got to confess it like Pastor Dustin asked I've confessed it to God but I got to let somebody else know and when you do that I just believe that God will begin the healing process but this is what I know and I want you to write this down God will not heal what you are willing to hide God will not heal what you and I are willing to hide if we're not willing to confess it, if we're not willing to uncover it, if we're not willing to bring it to the light. Listen, you're only as strong. I heard Pastor Craig Groeschel say this one time. You're only as strong as you are honest. And as honest as you're going to be is how strong you're going to be. And I just want to encourage you, do not conceal it, confess it. You've got to let somebody know. Who do I tell? Who do you trust? That's my question. Who do you trust? Can you go to your spouse with this information? Okay, I want you to know that. Can you go to them? It's a question you got to ask a Christian counselor, your crew leader, pastors, our, our staff. Who is it that you, that you trust that you can go to? Come to me. Whatever it is, like, like tell somebody. Let somebody know. And again, maybe you're on the other side of that confession. Maybe you're on the other side of that person saying, hey, this is a struggle of mine. How do I receive that? How do, I, how do I walk through that? You know what? As a spouse, maybe if, you're, if you confess that to your spouse, your spouse may feel hurt, angry, embarrassed, maybe like something is wrong with you. But let me encourage you with something, spouse, if your husband or uh, the, uh, you know, your wife, husband is coming to you and telling you that, like, I want to let you know that if they're coming to you, they are really, truly desiring purity in their life. And so when, when they come to you, they're going to be broken and upset. And as you receive that, I just believe that if we can get it in the light, God can do some healing. Amen or oh me. Amen. All right, I believe that to be so true. So number one, we can't conceal it. We got to confess it. Number two, you got to fight it. Not fight it. You got to flee from it. You can't, you, you got to flee from it. You got to run. Somebody say run. All right, listen, that's all throughout the Bible, this idea that you and I should flee, run from sexual immorality. This is what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, run. Everybody shout, run. Run, run from sexual sin. 
No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a, uh, a sin against your own body. And when I think about it, I think about this story that happened in the Older Testament. So this idea of not just, not just flirting with it, not just standing around with it, but fleeing from it. I think about this guy named Joseph. And Joseph was the second in command to this guy named Potiphar. Potiphar's the big dog of the whole area. He's calling all the shots. And Joseph is a second-hand man to him, right? He's second in command. And what about this story uh, is, is the fact is that like, this is like the first episode of Desperate Housewives of Egypt. Come on, somebody, right? Because what happens is, is Potiphar's wife looks over and sees Joseph and be like, mm-hmm. And she says, okay, I'm going to go after him. He's going to be mine. And Potiphar looks at Joseph and ultimately throws herself on Joseph, asks Joseph to sleep with her. What did Joseph do? You may not know it yet, but I'm going to tell you in just a second. Let me tell you what he did not do. He didn't say, okay, whoa, 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 let's pray about this right now. Let's just pray in this moment that the temptation would go away. No! That's not what he did. He didn't in that moment say, okay, let's, whoa, whoa, whoa. let's talk about it and why this wouldn't be a good idea. No, no, no. That's not what he does. Genesis 39 verse 12 tells us what he does. Watch what happens. Some of y'all just need to be reading the Bible because it's scandalous. I like it. Okay. Verse 12, she came, grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on and sleep with me. And Joseph, watch what he said, watch what he does, tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he did what? Come on, as he did what? Ran from the house, right? He didn't stay around. He didn't try to talk about it. He didn't try to fight it. He didn't try to converse with it. He ran out the house without his cloak on. He was gone, all right? He was gone. He ran. He got away from it. He fled from it. And I'm going to encourage you, do not try to fight it on your own because you are going to be weak sometimes. You have to flee from it. You have to run from it. Jesus even would say it kind of like this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 29. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, reminds me of a movie. It's terrible. Causes you to sin... Cut it off and throw it away, all right? And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. And I think we have to ask the question, was Jesus being literal here? Like, was Jesus being for real? Like, Jesus, you being literal? Like, I, if, if my eye caused me to sin, gouge it out and throw it away? Let me tell everybody, I sure hope not. Come on, you know, right? I hope not. I hope he's not going to do it. Like, can you imagine going to your workplace, right, if Jesus was being literal? We'd have a lot of, like, one-eyed, one-armed cyclopses walking around everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would be wild. Like, you'd be going to, to work or your class, and somebody got one arm and one eye, and you're like, oh, you're a Christian too? Yeah, me too, bro. I got you. Right? That, that, I don't think Jesus is being literal when he said that, okay? But I do think what he's trying to get across to you and I is that, guess what, y'all? We got to take this seriously. Like, we got to take this stuff serious, that we can't just fight it. we got to run from it. we got to flee from it. And if there's any place in my life that you and I are vulnerable, anything that causes you and I to sin, if there's any bait in the water, you know what Jesus would tell you and I? Get out the water. Right? Get out of the water. you got to remove the triggers. You, got, you can't be putting yourself in the situation where it happens over and over again. It's easy to jump right back in. No, you've got to remove yourself from it. You've got to flee from it. And I just believe that if we'll confess it, not conceal it, and if we'll flee from it, not try to find, fight it, you will begin to heal, and the process of healing will begin to take place. I believe that. Everything I've got. And this idea, as you've sustained an injury... 
It's kind of like you breaking your arm. It's going to take some time to heal, right? And Pastor Craig Rochelle also references a, 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 a nationally known article called What Does Porn Do to Your Brain and How to Quit? Uh, it's a, just a national, it's not even a Christian article, but what it does to your brain. And then we're going to add a little bit of stuff that, that spiritually can be on top of that. When you begin this process of healing, when you don't conceal it anymore, but you confess it. When you say, you know what, I'm not going to try and fight it, I'm going to flee from it. When you begin to do that, I believe that God will begin to heal you. And again, there's going to be some things that happen. Just like any addiction that's out there, there are withdrawals that will happen. Right, The first week without porn, we're going to throw it up here on the screen. First week without porn, dopamine, your dopamine will take a nosedive. Right? You're, you're, it'll take a nosedive. You'll experience dramatic mood swings. You'll, you'll, you'll experience increased anxiety and possibly headaches. You'll experience hypersensitivity to lustful thoughts. Like, like every little thing, every little small thing begins to be just, I mean, it kind of triggering some of those lustful thoughts that could come up in your mind. That's one week without porn. And I believe that once you give it up for a week, man, there's going to be some, there's going to be some hills and valleys. But watch what happens in week one to three. When you make it week one to three, when you're willing to confess it and not hide it, when you're willing to flee from it, not just fight it, watch what happens. One to three weeks without pornography, motivation and your energy, it plummets. It goes down. You have little to no sexual urges if married. You know why? Because only porn can excite you. Only that can excite you. But I just want to challenge you. It's a process. Give, to, give yourself to the process. Give yourself to the process of God healing you through this. Because I believe if you will, watch what happens. Four weeks to eight weeks without porn. One month to two months without porn. You're going to experience a roller coaster of emotions. Right? You're going to be all over the place. You're going to have bursts of energy that return. Followed by sluggishness. And sluggishness and depression, that's, that, that's those neural pathways in your mind that are trying to just work itself out of your mind. You're going to have some sudden bursts of temptation. But I want to share with you, if you will just commit to God, God, I'm not going to hide it. I'm going to expose it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to confess it to you. And God, I'm not, I'm not trying to fight it. I'm going, to, I'm going to flee from it. If you'll do that, don't give up. You know why? God is healing your brain. God is healing your body. God is healing your mind. And I just believe that when you make it to three months, when you make it to three months, what happens? It's a completely different change on the inside of you. What begins to happen is you become emotionally stable. Your focus sharpens. Your sex drive returns. Your spiritual confidence and intimacy soars. And I like this right here. And I broke down in the first service right here, and I'm probably going to do it again. Because you feel at peace. You feel whole. And you feel alive again. And I share all of that with you because I've been in the exact shoes of going through those emotions. And I share that you can have peace, you can be whole, and you can be alive again. If I can be real transparent, can I do that with you? Whenever I found myself going back through the cycle of this, I felt like the only way out was doing what Kyle preached about last week.
too scared to, to tell anybody. Didn't have any boundaries in my life at the time. And I was feeling not at peace, broken, and dead on the inside. let me tell you something is that when you confess it and when you flee from it the grace of God flows downhill better than anything else out there and I'm so thankful that you know what the urge sometimes is there but thank God for the fact of confession thank God for healing thank God for the fact that you know what even in my darkest hour that we serve a God that when we confess our sins he's faithful and just yeah. to forgive us of all unrighteousness and then the fact is is that not only that as I confess to somebody else the fact is that I have people in my life accountable that hold me accountable to the, the calling that I know God's put on my life but not even that just the calling I have to my wife, calling I have to my kids, calling I have to you as your pastor, and I want you to know that healing, peace, wholeness, and alive, and, and li literally living is available to you, but it's on the other side of confession and running from it. I've experienced it. I've experienced it in my life, previous years of mine, and I remember who I was. I remember how I tried to hide it. I remember how I tried to conceal it. Don't do that. Confess it. Don't, don't try to fight it. You got to flee from it. You got to remove some triggers. You got to get some help. And you got to let God do the healing. And this is what I know about that. Even in my own life to this day, just as a, as a man that can stand in front of you with integrity, I want you to know that every single week, not only does my wife see what I look at on my, my phone, my, my computer, my, anything, other device that I have, which those are the only about two things that I have, um, not only does Allie see that, but one of our overseers here at this church sees that. Every week they get a report from me, everything I see. She has my logins on my accounts. That girl can go through anything she needs to. She can look at anything. You know why? Because this is what I got to think. And this is what even what Pastor Craig Groeschel says. He says, why resist a temptation in the future when you have the power to eliminate it today? Right? Like, what do I have to lose by being careful? You're saying, man, you, you're pretty weak if you can't handle all that. You know what? What do I have to lose by being careful? But on the other side, what do I have to lose if I'm not? And I'm not going to be the guy. I'm not going to be the guy that says, you know what? I, I, we'll kind of just make it through. Uh, you know, No, no, we're going to invest in that. We're going to be real practical in that. I'm going to set up boundaries in order to the fact that, you know what? I'm not going to hide it. I'm going to confess it. I'm not going to shrink back. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to fight it, try and just do it on my own. I'm going to flee from it, and I'm going to allow God to do the healing on the inside of me. And I just want to challenge some of us in this room. You may have walked in here, and you may think, you know what? There's no way God could ever forgive me. There's no way that God could ever use me. 
There's no way that God could ever do anything with my life. And I'm just here to tell you, if you are breathing, God is not done with you. That forgiveness is available to you. And that you can have hope and healing in Jesus' name. Come on, can we give Jesus a big hand of praise in this place? So all across this room, and if it's safe for you online, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I just want to just speak to you for just a second. Maybe you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. I want you to understand that that's where confession starts, right? It's you and me saying, hey, Jesus, I've sinned, I've messed up. I want you to know that you're not alone in that, that all of us, all, I mean, literally all of us have been born into this thing called sin. We're born separated from God, born far from God. And sin is this huge chasm, this huge uh, gap between us and God. And nothing we do can fix it. But thanks be to God that even in our sin, that Jesus, the Bible tells us, that he died for us. That he went to the cross for you and me. That even while we were sinning, Christ died for us. And I'm so thankful for that. Why, Why did Jesus have to die? You know why? Because there had to be a payment for that sin that separates us from him. There had to be a payment, and Jesus was willing. He was the only payment that was perfect, that that, that would cover all of our sins, not just cover all of our sins, but erase all of our sins, past, present, and future, was because of a, a, a spotless lamb that was willing to go to the cross and die where I deserve to die. And, and, and you'll either accept the fact that Jesus paid for your sin, you'll confess that, or you'll spend the rest of eternity paying for your sin. I just, I don't think God wants that for you. He doesn't want that for you. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. And we don't want that for you as a church. We want you to know the life-giving relationship that is Jesus. We want you to know how special that is, how that can, that forgiveness feels, what that feels like in your life. We want you to experience that today. So maybe that's you and you need to accept Jesus today and what he did on the cross for you. This is what I know. The Bible tells us that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Why do I kind of lead you through a prayer whenever we're given invitation every week? You know why? It's part of confession. It's confessing with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. So maybe you're here and you need to give your life to Jesus today. Would you just say something like this? It doesn't have to be word for word. But just say something like this. Just say, dear Jesus, I want you to come in my life. I want you to save me. Forgive me. I believe you died on the cross. I believe that you got out of the grave and I give you my life today. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And help me live for you from this day forward. If that's you, listen, I just want to let you know that you made the best decision that you've ever made in your life by saying yes to a relationship with Jesus. I want you to know that like it's the best, and you need to let somebody know that you just said yes to Jesus, all right? It's kind of like this, when Allie and I got married, when Allie and I even got engaged even, like, guess what? I want to tell everybody. You know why? Because I was excited about the relationship that I had. And I was so excited about what, what man, I was going to be spending my life with her. And guess what? It's the same way when it comes to this relationship with Jesus. We want you to let somebody know it's the best decision you'll ever make. And we want to know that. We want to help walk through the next season with you of what that next steps may look like. And baptism and going public with your faith that way. And uh, everything else, any questions that you might have. And so we want to walk through that with you. So here's what I'm going to ask you. If that's you and you just said yes to Jesus, I would encourage you to talk to somebody today. We've got our prayer team, care team that's up here on the front right, my right, your left. 
would love to just to be able to have that conversation with you, celebrate with you. But not even not only that, there's another way that you can let us know that you made a decision out at the connect corner. Stop by there on the way out and say, hey, yo, I gave my life to Jesus today. I want somebody to know about it. We'd love to give you a Bible. Or maybe you're watching online, or maybe you're just in here and you say, you know what, that's it's a little uncomfortable for me, but, but you still want to let somebody know, you can text the word PURPOSE to 270-229-6488 if you have received Jesus today. And man, we would be honored to follow up with you. It would be so honored to do that. And I would just can't wait to see how God continues to use you, move you, change you, grow you as you step into this new relationship with Jesus, how, it, how he's going to use you for his glory uh, and the world's good. I believe that with all of my heart. Thank you so much again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps out so much. For more content and information, head over to ourpurpose.church. We love you guys and hope you have a great week on purpose.